Here we go, rejecting the screen for the 100th time, our 100th episode. We should talk about that. We might, if all these balloons that are coming down from the ceiling don't block my microphone. Noah Kostov's out here on the East Coast, out West is Adam Stanko, just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life for the 100th time. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON. Builtbar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Get $10 off your next order. So LeBron is saying that the narrative worked against him. Hmm. A little different this time. We're recording on a Sunday for Monday. Usually our podcasts come out Tuesday and Thursday. We will have Going ISO, the long form, on Thursday. But our 100th episode will be coming out on a Monday as we record this on Sunday. So LeBron saying that the narrative worked in Giannis's favor. This is something that we have talked about before, Adam. And we focused specifically on Ramona Shelburne at the time who said that she votes with the narrative and Dave McMenamin, who said he's 35 years old year 17. This was six months ago. He's navigated a China controversy and maybe the biggest tragedy in the history of the NBA this season. That's extra stuff that quite frankly, Giannis is not going through. So the narrative is LeBron's doing a whole lot more than anybody else is off the court and look what he's doing on the court. So if you're voting with narrative, then LeBron's the MVP. That's the great irony in what he said, as you point out. When he said, it pisses me off. I got 16 first place votes, which by the way, and then it's like, I'm hearing all these people say, well, it's not that this guy didn't deserve it, but like you want more people to vote for LeBron as their first place choice for MVP, but you still believe that Giannis should win it too. Like that's a weird thing also, like, the percentage of first place votes that went to Giannis. Let, let's see here. We know that multiple people around the Lakers and those that cover LeBron James voted for LeBron James. So LeBron only got 16 first place votes. And of those, we know Ramona Shelburne went with, with the narrative choice, as you point out. Like it was very clear. She made that clear early on in her voting. And what's wild about this, this whole thing is you start to break it down of, Giannis versus LeBron in every way, shape or form, Noah, if you're if you're going with what happened on the court, to me, the choice is is clear as day and not that LeBron didn't have a wonderful season. But in order to make the argument for LeBron, you have to dig into the narrative bag of tricks. So Giannis, highest PER in history, highest PER in history, he goes for nearly 30 points a game, nearly 14 rebounds, and nearly six assists a game. So those numbers are through the roof. And yet, in addition to that, he was the best defensive player in the league. So offensively, he's phenomenal, put up all the statistical numbers you'd want. And then defensively, he was the best, most impactful defensive player in the league. And then in addition to that, his team scores the most points and then has the highest defensive rating. So it not only was he statistically there, but it translated to his team's production on the court, of course, led them to the number one seed in the East. LeBron, who has a stacked team, 
a better all-around team than Giannis did. He goes out and has a wonderful year, but everything that you have to say about him is, oh yeah, he averaged over 10 assists a game. A guy his age shouldn't be doing that. Oh, look at what year he's in in the league. He's played for so long. No one should be as athletic as he is at this age. But this idea that somehow LeBron deserved it more and that Giannis was the one that had the favor, that that it was in his favor to, to go from a narrative's perspective is simply bananas, and it's ironic. Didn't we say that Giannis had a baby in February, so why wasn't that taken into account? <laughs> yes, because was- you know Giannis is dealing with a with a pregnancy at home and he might be getting woken up late at night and then he has the baby. Then he's got to go into the bubble and things on her mind. Look, if you are voting and there are, there is no criteria for Mm -hmm. MVP. So it is up to everybody. I'm going to read you the criteria for major league baseball's MVP. And they do one American league, national league one actual value of a player to his team. That is strength of offense and defense. These rules, by the way, the same rules, as were written on the first ballot in 1931. Number two, number of games played. Number three, general character, disposition, loyalty, and effort. Number four, former winners are eligible. Number five, members of the committee may vote for more than one member of a team. So if you're going to vote for the player that you'd want to win you a game seven today, Go ahead. Right. 16 of those people voted for LeBron. That's the guy that I would want winning me a game seven. So if that's the criteria, great. Admit that. That's the guy that I want winning me a game seven. Because there are no set rules of voting for the MVP. But navigating a team through tragedy, through China, doing this at his age. Okay, if that's how you want to vote for the MVP, fine. But you can't cry if you're LeBron, and he tried to make it seem like at the beginning, I'm okay with it, I'm okay, I'm okay. (laughs) But this, 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 this. But you can't cry about it if others have a different view of what the MVP is. And we will get into who is actually voting for these awards, but there is no set criteria except for this is the regular season MVP. So it's the player with the best regular season. If you thought this player had the best regular season, it is a regular season award. But if you still want to say, well, I'm going to vote for the guy who I would want winning me a game seven in the playoffs, then sure, LeBron's the MVP. But again, we could get we could go back to, Adam, what we mentioned a few weeks ago because these awards come out during the playoffs and yes, oftentimes it's awkward. Maybe we should have the regular season MVP. We have the Eastern conference playoff MVP, the Western conference playoff MVP and the NBA finals MVP. And that's how you can continue to build on a legacy and add to your resume. Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, keep in mind this year too, you had the bubble, which was separate from regular season, that it was supposed to be just the regular season prior to the restart that it was voted on, which also people forget. It's a, it's a different animal. And of course, narrative is going to play a role. Not everyone out there is going to watch every synergy clip of, of LeBron and, and Giannis and see their impact, but you can see what they're 
but regardless of that, and I also understand how those that cover the team every day see the influence that certain people have. And as you talk about, there are other factors that you can that can come into play. Who would you want to win you a game in a critical spot? Who would you want to reject the screen and go ISO? Who, <laughs> who it, might it be uh, that shows the greatest leadership characteristics and brings out things in their team that you know aren't necessarily quantifiable or aren't being able to that aren't picked up, um, you know, from an analytics perspective or, or the metrics wise, you can't, you can't evaluate. All those things are fine to say, but also on the honest point, not only the baby, as you point out, but if we're really <laughs> going to go down the narrative track with him, how about this idea that everyone's talking about Giannis leaving Milwaukee? He still Gotta led them to that. the number one seed in the East. He had to deal with everyone talking about Giannis leaving. Everyone's saying, everyone's saying Giannis is leaving. So, and by the way, unsubstantiated rumors, as we've talked about too on on this podcast. So I I just look at it as this guy had an absurd year statistically, was incredibly dominant. And and if my vote was to be counted, which it's not, but if but if I my vote was to be counted, the biggest thing that I would say is here's a guy that's individual success also led to tremendous team success. And there was not a better team start to finish in the regular season. You could make the maybe make an argument, but to me, the Bucs were the best team. They, they stumbled a bit right at the very end. But I said they're the best team, but yet don't have the same talent. And if you look, again, highest scoring team in the league, best defensive rating. So best defensive team, best offensive team, and Giannis was by far their best player. Nobody's even close talent-wise. So I, I, I think it's amazing what LeBron did. I think it's impressive. And as far as the narrative, great. It'd be awesome for to make a nice feature film about his season and how he's doing it at this point in his career. But the MVP, in my opinion, most valuable player, not person, was Giannis. Here are the guys who voted for the voters who voted for LeBron for first place MVP: Greg Anthony, Rick Buecher, Joe Cali from Chicago Sun Times, Mino Hassan, Chris Haynes, Mark Jackson, Mark Jones, Diego Martinez from Reforma, Dave McMenamin, Mark Medina. The NBA.com fan vote went to LeBron. Tim Reynolds, Associated Press, based out of Miami who used to cover LeBron, Ramona Shelburne, Stephen A. Smith, Merjam Swanson, and I, and I don't know if I, if I said the name correctly, Southern California News Group, and Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Those are the votes for LeBron for MVP. Coming up, who should be voting for these awards in the first place? So Doug Gottlieb does not have... An NBA <laughs> awards vote. He does have a rejecting the screen credit to his resume. He does. <laughs> good podcast. Yeah. That was, was a good, good that was a good conversation. Go back and listen to Doug Gottlieb on rejecting the screen, the going ISO edition. All right there in the feed. And while you're there, click the five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate review, all that. The question is who should be voting for these awards? And Doug Gottlieb asked the question. Why does Maria Taylor, NBA Countdown host, have a vote? Because she's doing so many other things where her attention cannot simply just be on the NBA. 
And and it was prompted from no no that that also came from her leaving Anthony Davis off her All NBA first second third team, and then she said she made a mistake and they had forgotten him. So that's what prompted that initial tweet from from Doug to to even bring that question up. Yes, good clarification. So I understand what Doug was saying. I do. Mm-hmm. He should not have singled out one person because there are multiple people who have votes that if you want to question their legitimacy in getting votes or how much of the game are they watching, you can do that. Like Marv Albert has been the voice of the NBA forever. Marv is my broadcasting idol. Does Marv watch every single NBA game? He doesn't. No, there aren't that many people that do. And what happens with writers and other broadcasters is that they'll have an idea in their head of, okay, who should be it doing some reading, that kind of thing, doing some watching. And then they'll talk to scouts, coaches, other writers to see if everyone's on the same page. There are not many voters that will have their ballot and say, I feel I feel really good about this. And then talk to somebody and say, oh, yikes, I really should. Nah, I should I should change all of this. There are some that will have an have a great idea of what they want to do and then talk to others just in case there is something egregious that they missed. Like there right. shouldn't there shouldn't be major, major mistakes with someone's ballot. If you can if you can nitpick and you can argue Giannis over LeBron, or you can you can argue Montrez Hello over Lou Williams. And and by the way, all the talk about Giannis getting the MVP and not LeBron, like we talked about it last week. Where is the outrage over Montrez Harrell picking up that six man of the year award <laughs> with the ski yeah. with the ski mask on because he was absent, just robbing the place in the bubble. Yes. So I went back and and tried to think about not only who should be voting, but what do the players want? So the players are constantly crushing media members for, well, these guys don't know. And I'm always thinking from the host perspective or from a play-by-play perspective, does that person sitting next to me respect me at all for (laughs) basketball acumen when all they do is crush anybody who doesn't play? And if you did give the vote to the players and they have not proven that they can take voting seriously. Yes. Can you trust the players to then say, we will put our names out there and be transparent. There is no way, buddy. There is no way that the players are putting their names on their ballots and releasing them. No No shot way. No shot. And it leads to a point, Noah, and and everything you bring up is, is, so relevant. I mean, look, a, a lot of this stuff's really interesting because it sort of goes to the old issue that you've mentioned in the past. I tweeted about a couple of weeks ago this idea that so and so deserves a job or so and so deserves to be on the all star team. This is ridiculous to leave him off. You're making those claims. Tell me who the person be, should be that's taken off the all star team so your guy can get on. Or tell me, by the way, the coach who should be fired so your guy can get a head coaching job. So have we talked about this before? Remember a number of years ago when 
Kevin Durant was interviewed and SI had just come out with their top 10 players. This was, no, we've not discussed this 2015, maybe okay. 2000, still a thing. 2014. They came out with, the, they'd come out with their top 10 players and Kevin Durant was interviewed right after it came out for something unrelated. And he was asked, I'm going to read you the SI's top 10. And so you tell, tell me who belongs on that list that's not on it. So he's okay. read the list. And then, and he says, James Harden should be on that list. And then, he, and then quickly, the follow-up is, all right, well, who should be off? And he says, Dwayne Wade. That's how it should be handled. I was I the one who inter- I was the one who interviewed Kevin Durant that day. I ah, asked Kevin Durant. I read him that list, and immediately on the next day, I mean, it became a big headline. The next day, Dan Patrick, on his show, claimed that it was some sort of setup because Durant and Wade were doing some Gatorade thing together, and then Wade went back at him. And I even called into Dan Patrick's show, and I couldn't get through. Like I tried to tried to tell them like there's there's nothing here. I simply read a list and asked him and he answered those questions. So Kevin Durant is someone who would answer that question honestly. He is he has shown that he will do that. Will these other right. guys do that? Probably. Well, not. and and look, no, that's it's it's amazing. The other the other point on this is so we we hit on the 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 part that if you decide that okay, it's not the media members or this huge cross-section of the general basketball-watching population, which was the point Ramona Shelburne made in some tweets of her own, basically saying, hey, the NBA wants representation from everybody. And you you bring up a great point that also a lot of these people that we think like, oh, I wouldn't trust their vote or how do they get a vote? Like they're going to people they trust or know. Like Maria Taylor, you can say whatever you want about her. And she's obviously very talented. But in addition to her, her on-air skills, Maria Taylor's extremely connected. So she's, even if you make the argument, even if you were to say she doesn't have enough time to watch all these games, I would also argue she's connected, though, to where she's having a lot of conversations with people who, who do watch these games, which may be more so than some writers who say, no, I'm going to trust my own eyes and everything I've seen, and I'm just going to vote right. you know, on my own. You don't know. But, then, but here's, here's the other part to this, Noah is the unintended consequences because already the decision is not only do these people vote on it, but now we're releasing all the names of those who have voted. And you think, wait, full transparency, always a great thing. Problem is think about how much weight LeBron has, especially for writers and media members. You think about his camp and Rich Paul and, and all the influence they have. And if LeBron were to decide, and it doesn't have to be public, but if he were to decide to blackball you or to ignore you in some way or, or keep you out of, of his inner circle or his information, now you're not getting information about it uninterrupted. You 100%. may not get information about Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, Rich Paul, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. So so it, it could, even Bronny James now, you won't, you won't get stories about that. You know, it's it's kept away. You know what? So it's it's a great point. So maybe that, so it brings up the thought that maybe the votes shouldn't be released or you could have a 
the league agrees on a media vote. So you have a certain number of people who from the media who vote. And then each team has a player representative and a, and so the player is not mentioned, but it's the Orlando magic vote. It's the Pelicans vote. And then you have a fan vote, but also something interesting. You said a lot of broadcasters and even writers now are represented by agencies that represent the players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did really stand out was that Sham Shinaria voted for Giannis for MVP and he's right. a clutch client. And I loved it. I loved yes. it. And if, by the way, if that doesn't say more to who should be like, that's the kind of vote that you then have to say was a vote of integrity. And so you have to appreciate that. Just like your point about Kevin Durant, it's about integrity, about, you know what, this is the right thing to either say or do or to back up, regardless of what the feedback might be. Dwayne Wade's feelings might be hurt, or in this case, professionally, this could hurt me in some way down the road. And not saying that LeBron has those intentions. I'm not even making that you know, assumption, but obviously there's people who work for LeBron that could look at it that way. There's, there's a bunch that goes, that goes into these things. And you just have to understand the influence. My idea may be to do this, have a, your huge group of media members, all that, and say to each of them, hey, in no particular order, who are your top five MVP candidates? Give us five names. And then they put it in there and you then collect a pool from those names of, let's say, the top seven or eight that get selected and then from there, you can have a smaller panel that selects from that group, or it could, or it could even be smaller than that. It could be the top three that get that get selected among them, because then now it's sort of this way where it's okay. Let's say you have an association, or you cover, and it's not just LeBron. Let's say you cover Dame Lillard, and so you have a reason to push Dame Lillard because you write for the Oregonian. Let's say, well, all of a sudden now Dame is just one of your five. You're not singling him out. And now you have to really put four legitimate other candidates there. And then you have a panel, whether it's of, of players in the league, or it could just be your blue ribbon panel of a player in the league. And maybe a guys that are always heavily respected, like Jerry West of the world, you know, there's different ways that you can approach that. But I think there are a lot of bad unintended consequences that come from, Hey, look, full transparency. Isn't this a great thing? It isn't always. And as I was thinking about it last night, we're recording this on Sunday, and I was thinking about it last night a lot. I get the, the fact that this is a heated argument at where we are in the world at the moment. I, I find myself, I find myself having a really, really difficult time getting truly animated about anything that isn't related to politics the world burning and my family. Do you, so, so no, to that, to that point, maybe we should have even led with that, that point in general, but we could probably start every podcast that way. Who knows? Cause I, you and I both share the same belief that it's like, there's so much going on, especially having families like, like we do and, and close with our families, having children, you know, in a way there's so much else that's, that's going on. I wonder how much you compartmentalize and just say, okay, this is my basketball discussion that I'm going to have. We'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, it's built around that. But it's – and maybe in a way that's what LeBron was saying, right? In a way, maybe that's what he's saying. I read it. kind of pissed me off. 
I mean, whatever. I don't want you guys. And that was his basic thing. I, I don't want you guys going crazy with this. Like, I'm not saying that I'm. And then, of course, he went into detail about how Marcus All got a defensive player of the year award. But well, back well back then, actually, it's funny because on the Marcus All thing back then, the media would vote for defense player of the year, and the coaches were voting for the right. all defensive team. But I think Bill Russell won MVP one year, and he did, but he didn't make All NBA first team. Right. Right. Well, they, I mean, look, it's the same thing as... The, and he still seems up. like he's seething over it. Bill Russell, well, he, never, he never stops talking about it, Bill Russell. He's always oh. talking about how he didn't, he didn't get all NBA. The, the same thing sort of applies that we sort of touched on this idea, but the same thing applies with Coach of the Year. Like, it's amazing because there is not a group that protects themselves more and talks about themselves more as a group that everybody, no coach should ever be fired if you ask another coach. Now, secretly, they're all pining for, pining for those jobs <laughs> and they're pushing other people. But publicly, I mean, it's like you've got you've got police Except Phil. Except Phil, as well, you'll read yeah. in Three Ring Circus yeah, from exactly. our interview with Jeff Perlman. Except exactly. Phil. Exactly. But it's literally, it's, it's, it's the police defend themselves to no end. And, and the coaching community. Every coach, oh, what a travesty. I can't believe after 12 years and this guy never made the playoffs. Like, you don't understand the player development. The organization's a mess. They'll go after everybody else. It's never the coach. But meanwhile, you talk to these coaches, oh, that guy doesn't know shit. You hear that all the time when you talk to coaches personally. But it's it's the interesting part because we saw it, I want to say, and again, probably should have researched this, but I'm just thinking about this. Dwayne Casey, right? Yeah. Wins coach of the year and then and then is fired. And it's like, how does this happen? Well, part of the reason is, again, it's this public push for everybody saying this should be the guy because coaches also have a vested interest. They'll literally vote for these awards or push media members and say, hey, you need to do this because there's an inherent like job security for a, a brother of theirs. Like, hey, we need to make sure this coach is protected. He had a great year. I want him to win coach of the year. That's a thing. And then they sit there and cry. Well, how can you give a guy coach of the year and fire? How do you fire a guy that was coach of the year? It's like, because you guys made sure he was coach of the year. So he wouldn't be fired. Last thing, I know I've brought up. And Nick Nurse has done a pretty good job, by the way. Yeah, right. Anyway, that out also. I know I've brought this up before, but there's that, that preseason poll that we did on, on Sirius XM NBA radio when I was still hosting there. And we did a top 25 guys of who you would start a franchise with. So I just want you to, if if players know everything and then players know best, okay, how does Greg Anthony leave off from players that you would start a franchise with, top 25? How does he leave off Zion, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, and Jason Tatum, okay, but have Blake Griffin at number nine, LaMarcus Aldridge at 25, Russell Westbrook at 11, and Kevin Durant, who wasn't even playing this season and is an all-time great, but we don't know what he's going to look like. No idea what someone looks when like when they back. get back from that injury. He's at, and Noah, he's at number Noah, three. Where is, where's the Doug Gottlieb tweet about that? That's my question. Doug, if you're listening, where's your tweet about Greg Anthony's top 25 you'd start a franchise with? Cheryl Miller didn't even put Luca in her top 25. Come on. Coming up, we'll celebrate 100 episodes. Woo! Here's how I celebrate workouts. Mm. Built Bar. Delicious.
So the improved Built Bar is even better than the original flavor. So now they've got, finally, all of my emails have paid off. Cookies and cream is my favorite ice cream. So now Built Bar finally has a cookies and cream flavor, along with caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, delicious. Carrot cake, every year on my birthday, Marissa gets me a cupcake or a slice of cake, and it's and it's carrot cake. I usually eat carrot cake once a year. Carrot cake is my favorite. So now wait, they've wait, got wait. a carrot. Wait a second. Wait a second. Just just out of curiosity. Yeah. You so she doesn't get you a whole cake. She gets you a slice of carrot cake, and then like the rest of the family eats a whole another cake on their own. Or you're only allowed one slice. Just just give me some detail here. Well, what do we? Like there's three of us. What do we need? Like a six tier cake for my birthday? It's like a I mean, so you don't celebrate with other people. I mean, it hasn't always. Well, no, no. Been when we have pandemic. no, when when we have our, I haven't had a birthday yet in the pandemic. Um, but no, when we have our our dinner at home for the three of us, like that's the one that's on my birthday on December twenty second. Write it down. On December twenty second is when we have when I when I have my piece of carrot cake. If we're out celebrating with others. Then yeah, sure we you know you get dessert, all sorts of things, different candles and all t- sorts of desserts. Sorry guys, we have the special piece that's just for no. Don't touch this this slice of carrot cake. So well at but home, the, so they, they don't eat carrot cake. Is my is my question? No, they don't. No, Eden and, and Marissa don't really like carrot cake. They made me carrot cake. They did make a carrot cake last year. I bet they'd eat cookies and cream though. I mean that they're gonna yeah, eat yeah. that though, sure. You know what Marissa doesn't like is chocolate ice cream and i didn't i didn't know this until until like a year and a half ago when we're having a conversation we'll get back to built bar in a moment we're having a conversation and and eden says like what's your favorite chocolate vanilla and i said chocolate you know that and marissa said i don't i don't like chocolate i'll always have vanilla and marissa's favorite is vanilla ice cream from dairy cream with chocolate sprinkles and i said whoa, whoa i know you always you prefer vanilla over chocolate. I did not know you dislike chocolate ice cream. She goes, yeah, I don't, I don't like chocolate ice cream. And she said, she was like appalled that I didn't know this having been together for all these years. That's understandable. I'm more appalled that she doesn't like chocolate ice cream, but I I was too. I was too. So she's not going to eat the chocolate flavor, but there are other flavors of built bar though. But she loves chocolate, just not chocolate ice cream. So the new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Barcia, get it? Barcia, Cherry Love Garcia. Uh, lemon almond cheesecake. I'm a big fan of cheesecake too. Carrot cake and apple almond crisp. And the bars are, are soft. We know that. They're chewy. We know that. They're covered in 100% chocolate with a high protein, low sugar, low calorie, high fiber in every one of these bars. Amazing. So the promo code, go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D, locked on. You get $10 off your next order. Promo code locked on, $10 off at builtbar.com, plus a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. Why is that great? Because I've started putting the built bars, told you before, in the refrigerator before eating them. That's how I prefer my built bar. So builtbar.com, $10 off with the promo code locked on. We close with this being our 100th episode. Mm. 
folks, folks, really, you can sit down. You can no, stop it, stop it, stop it. You guys, no, seriously, no, seriously. Oh, really? Oh, oh Hudson, man. sit down. So Hudson, sit down. Seriously, seriously. When we when we started the podcast, we had done a, a, another podcast called Catch and Shoot. David mm-hmm. Locke liked it so much, brought us over to rejecting the screen, and we've set out to do something that is fair, that is approachable, and is unique, along with getting to know who we are as people while talking hoops. So we hope we've provided that, and we hope to continue to provide that for at least another six episodes. Maybe we'll get to another hundred, at least, at least another six. Why six? I just why not six? I, now you got me worried. I'm like, I, I maybe I'm I'm replaced. The, the world, the world is on fire. I have to check my contract. The yeah, that seriously. I I I will say Noah that we we got introduced to do a podcast together, catch and shoot. We hadn't even met each other when we first started doing podcasts together. The idea that we've now done a hundred straight rejecting the screen rejecting the screen podcast is is remarkable because as you said we have done it our way you know it is like the the frank sinatra song we've had a chance to talk about the things that we care about the stuff that's different the stuff that you're not hearing in this narrative driven world that we're in i mean it's it's narrative based conversation but it's but the the narration is ours it's 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 what we're thinking about our approach to the game about the league about these players coaches execs photographers, you name it. And then that gets me into the second point, which is these interviews have just been awesome. And it it has been so great. I think we need to thank all the guests that have come on uh, during this past year. And to think that all these people have opened up about stuff that has been funny and meaningful and interesting. And you just go on and on down the list, Noah. And it's incredible how much people have really I, it seems every week I'm thanking someone for how candid they are, how transparent they are, how revealing they are, because every single one of these interviews that we've done, there has been moments where I'm just, wow, I can't believe that person told us that. But somehow we're getting them to feel comfortable enough to to share their story, their lives with us. And 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 that is, is has made me very proud. From our very first with Sam Mitchell to Ryan Rosillo, Richard Jefferson, Doug Gottlieb, PJ Carlissimo, Peter Vesey, Kenny Anderson, Howard Beck, Casey Jacobson, Kevin Willis, Robert Sacre, Earl Watson. If you want to hear Kobe's stories, Robert Sacre, Earl Watson, take Mm. a listen. Anthony Morrow, who would play high school ball and then go help his mom clean hotels. Brendan Haywood, why he didn't take a pay cut to play with LeBron in Miami even though he asked Eddie Johnson, Sean Marion on the workouts that he destroyed pre-draft. And then when he got traded from the Suns during a Super Bowl party, and also the story behind Jason Terry's tattoo with the Dallas Mavericks, Adam Morrison with Kobe stories, Ala Abdul Nabi on Drazen and Reggie Lewis, Vin Baker on Jordan, Don McLean. There are, Every single episode has something that when we hang up, Adam and I say to each other, wow, Wow. never heard that one before. And we always also always say, 
Yeah, we know we just went 45 minutes, an hour, sometimes longer, hour and a half. And yet we've always left things on the table. But that's because what we were given by the guest was so good that you never just want to completely switch gears and leave something else on the table. The the final point for me on this, Noah, is that you and I got connected and it's uh, serendipitous because you have this great understanding of the craft of interviewing and it's something I always cared about and the way that we approach things and, and our techniques. And we talk about it a lot when we finish the interview. If you listen after the interview, we'll break down sort of, oh, we didn't get to this because this was great or we wanted to ask this question or what have you. And as you point out, things that we leave sort of on the interview cutting room floor. But what's awesome is that they're, they're conversations and, and there's a technique to, to interview and there's a craft to it and you take it seriously. It's been a pleasure to work with you on all this stuff. And so just, I, I, I am very, very proud of the work that we've done. And I do encourage people to go back because it's not like a lot of podcasts or shows that you watch where it's like, oh yeah, that was cool for that day. It was an interview. And even you catch old interviews on YouTube and you feel like, oh, they left me hanging. There's so much more. Yeah, it was cool because the guy answered some questions, but really you didn't hear a lot. Like with these, you go back and you listen to these and you are just going to be blown away. I mean, the Chelsea football club talked about the interview we had with Adam Morrison and the story involving Morrison and Kobe and Drogba. I mean, they, there's a Kobe Bryant retweeted a Robert Sacre story. It was one of the last tweets that he, he had before he tragically passed away. So there's just so much that the people have given to us. And, and I, I think that it's been awesome to find someone else who appreciates and has the same curiosity and appreciation of the craft that you do. And it's been awesome working with you, brother. So you're a huge, huge part of everything we've done. I know. Thanks. Thanks. You are the best. I know. I know. Here's to the next six episodes of Rejecting the Screen. <laughs> you know how I feel about you, pal. This is, it's a pleasure to do it every Tuesday when the two of us just talk hoops and a little bit of life and then long form interviews and on the going ISO edition on Thursdays, we go back and forth beforehand with, hey, check out this article, check out this article, check out this article. Here's what I want to talk about. Here's how we're going to get there. And it's, it's a true partnership. And that is the best form of partnership and friendship as well. Adam is on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. On Instagram, we're at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, where records continue to be broken every single day in terms of listenership, you can listen to Lockdown NBA five days a week. You can listen to Lockdown Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, Hollinger, and Duncan. That comes out every Monday. Plus, your team every single day. There is a podcast for your team, not just the NBA, most likely college. The NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, your team every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best, and you have been so for 100 episodes.